Our scripture reading this morning is from Acts 16, starting in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. And then on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatria and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord... Come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over 400 years ago, in December 1614, an Italian monk named Tomasco Caccini was preaching a sermon to his congregation in Florence, Italy. And he began to challenge a preposterous idea that had been circulating around the town. One, he said, that was repugnant to the divine scripture and to the Christian faith. Quoting these verses from scripture to back up his belief, Caccini said that those who defended this idea were clearly working with the devil and should be banished from the country. I imagine that Brother Caccini would be quite astonished today if he were to learn that churches just about everywhere have come to embrace the very thing he was absolutely convinced was a complete heresy. Because this idea that Caccini preached so strongly against was this, that the earth revolves around the sun and not the other way around. You see, we laugh, but for the first 1,600 years of church history, every major Christian leader and theologian believed that the earth was the center of the universe, and they based that belief on what the Bible said. Like Psalm 93.1, which says, the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Or Ecclesiastes 1.5, the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. 
Or other verses that when taken literally clearly prove that the sun moves around the earth that shall not be moved. And so when this man by the name of Galileo started challenging this idea based on what he was seeing through his telescope, the church condemned him. In fact, in 1633, the Catholic Church handed down the following order to Galileo, which said, We pronounce, judge, and declare that you, Galileo, have rendered yourself vehemently suspected by this holy office of heresy. That is, of having believed and held the doctrine which is false and contrary to the holy and divine scriptures, that the sun is the center of the world, and that it does not move from east to west, and that the earth does move and is not the center of the world. And for holding this supposedly heretical view, they sentenced Galileo to prison. Finally, Galileo agreed not to teach this heresy anymore, and he spent the rest of his life under house arrest. What's even worse is that it took more than 300 years for the church to admit that Galileo was right and they had been wrong. Here we are all these years later, And I can't help but wonder if the church has learned anything at all. Or if, by and large, we are still tempted to believe that we know God's ways best. That we are the keepers of God's instruction manual, and therefore our interpretation is clearly the correct interpretation. That we are right, and by default, everyone else is wrong. I will admit that these days I find myself feeling absolutely certain about fewer and fewer things in this world. I tend to relate best to writer Anne Lamott who says that the opposite of faith is not doubt but certainty. And so you can see why I might try to steer clear of it. Because the reality is that I have rarely encountered God in places of certainty and absolutism, but in spaces of openness and wonder and imagination. My most authentic and transformative experiences with the Holy One have not been cultivated by carefully following step-by-step instructions, but by having the courage and curiosity to mix up the recipe a bit and to color outside the lines. I haven't always found God in convincing arguments or dogmatic beliefs, but in unexpected places and in completely unlikely people, in nudges and gut feelings instead of clear edicts and commands, and more often than not, in backup plans and detours instead of whatever it was that I originally had in mind. And it seems to me that this is where God shows up in today's text, too. Sometimes I'm reading scripture and words just jump off the page at me. Words that we probably don't need to make too much of, but maybe we don't need to make 
too little of them either. And this week, the word that jumped off the page at me was convinced. After having a dream about a man from Macedonia asking for help, Paul is convinced that he and his friends ought to go there and help these people in need. And so immediately, he and his friends head off to Macedonia looking for this man from his dream. They stay in Philippi for several days, but there isn't mention of finding this man or anyone in need of help. Until finally on the Sabbath day, Paul and his friends go to a prayer meeting by the river. And that's where Paul meets this woman named Lydia, a woman who worshipped God. Now, Lydia isn't at all who Paul had pictured in his mind. And contrary to what he was convinced to be true, it doesn't appear that she needs Paul's help at all. In fact, if there's anyone in the story who needs help, it's Paul, who has been wandering around on his roundabout missionary tour, bumping into one roadblock after another with seemingly no place to stay and not sure where to go next. And it's Lydia who insists that Paul and his friends come back and stay with her and her household. I wonder, like Paul, if you've ever been so convinced that you knew what was right, that you knew what God wanted. And Lamott is also known for saying, if you want to make God laugh, just tell her your plans. And I've certainly discovered that to be true in my own life, both when I said that I would never move to Texas, and I lived there for 11 years, and then that I would never be one of those female pastors, God forbid. (laughs) Never say never, friends. But seriously, can you think of a time when you have been absolutely convinced that something were true only for God to change your mind? And prove you wrong. Or steer you in a different direction. Or when someone else has been convinced that something were true about God or about the world or even about you. And try as you might to offer a different perspective, they just wouldn't budge. I can't help but wonder in this situation if Paul's being convinced about God, what God wants, could actually be detrimental to what he's trying to do. Interestingly enough, this woman named Lydia is described in a way that seems almost opposite to Paul. Because while Paul is convinced about what God is doing, the text says that Lydia is open to what God is doing. Walter Brueggemann notes that Lydia listens eagerly for what is new to her, even though she is already a follower of God. In other words, she isn't convinced that she already has it all figured out. She doesn't close herself off from the possibility of God revealing something new or unexpected to her. She remains open So much so that she is baptized as a believer on this day because she is open to the God who is continually doing new and resurrecting things within every single one of us. 
The story is often called Paul's conversion of Lydia, but if I were to rename it, I would call it the open-hearted spirit of Lydia instead. Friends, if you and I aspire to be Easter people, like we've been talking about throughout this season of Easter, if we aspire to be people who are being resurrected and transformed by the living Christ, people who are continually challenging and reimagining our faith in the God who says, see, I am about to do a new thing. Do you not see it? Then perhaps openness ought to be what we strive toward too. As we have named throughout worship today, we are celebrating our dear Kathy Collier with gratitude for her 15 plus years of ministry on staff at Highland. And the reality is that when the lectionary presented this text about Lydia, a worshiper of God, Kathy, I thought about you. At first, I thought about you because Lydia is one of our early mothers in the faith. She's actually featured in our Women of the Bible window in the back of the sanctuary here wearing her purple cloth. And in a Bible whose stories are often dominated by the voices and perspectives of men, Lydia stands out as a woman who demonstrated strong leadership within and support of the early church. And like Lydia, Kathy, I give thanks for your strong leadership, for your eager and enthusiastic support of Highland over all these years, for the beautiful ways that you have been a spiritual mother to so many of us, making sure our stools are straight and not too long so we don't trip over them, or our music is prepared and that every detail of worship is ready to go. But you've also mothered us in more meaningful ways through your sincerity of your prayers, the depth of your care for us, the strength of your convictions, and the joy and passion that flow so eagerly within and out of you. Kathy, you have mothered us well in our faith in ministry, and music-making, and in the work of love that we share together here at Highland. But you also remind me of Lydia because you have this beautiful, open-hearted spirit within you. In fact, the truth is that we have been the recipients of Kathy Collier's ministry and care at Highland because over 15 years ago, she was open to the winds of the spirit calling her to go in a new direction. After 28 years of teaching music, in January 2007, she felt this nudge of God asking her, if you could do just one thing for the rest of your work life, what would it be? And through the openness of her soul to the changing winds of the spirit, Kathy bravely and boldly said yes to a completely new trajectory. It changed your life, Kathy, but it changed all of us, too. And we are so grateful. Friends, if you think about it, there are so many places in Scripture where even Jesus changes his trajectory 
and takes a different path. Or when people genuinely following God are led in a different way than they had originally planned or intended to go. Think about Abraham and his family who set off to the land that God had promised them, except when they got there, the land was already occupied, so they had to camp somewhere else. Or Moses and the Israelites who escaped slavery in the land of Egypt. They thought they were finished only to find themselves wandering through the middle of the wilderness. That is not at all what they had in mind. Mary and Joseph hoped to make it to Bethlehem for the census. But when they made it to town and Mary went into labor, there was no room in the inn. And they opened themselves up to follow a plan B instead. Even the Magi following the star all the way to Jesus listened to the wisdom that opened them up and led them to go home by another way. Another time, Jesus really wanted to take his disciples to go to a quiet place to rest. But these crowds ran out to the end of the lake. They wanted to hear more and more of his teaching. And so Jesus not only got out of the boat and spoke to them, he fed them, thousands of them. You see, none of these people within scripture held on too tightly to the things that they were once so strongly convinced were the right way. Instead, they remained open to the God who says, see, I am about to do a new thing. And then they took that next brave step forward. I know that as we celebrate Kathy Collier, there are many tears in this space today, mine included. Kathy is a beloved colleague, minister, and member of our Highland family, and we are going to miss her dearly on staff. Kathy is going to take some intentional time away, and she will be back at Highland, hopefully singing in the choir right there in her spot. But we acknowledge that she has been a strong and faithful presence among us for so long. Like Lydia, she has been a worshiper of God, leading the way in our worship of God. And we just can't imagine a highland without her. As someone who has also grieved some significant changes in my life recently... One that involved saying goodbye to another church that I dearly loved. I wanted to tell you this morning about the moment when I decided to open myself up and to apply for the pastor position here at Highland. It was September 2019, and I'd received a couple emails from the search committee but I just didn't feel like it was the right time to leave my previous church in Texas. And there were solid, logical reasons for me not to apply to Highland. So I kept rehearsing them over and over again in my mind, convinced, convinced that the decision not to apply was the right one. It wasn't the right time. This wasn't for me. This wasn't what God was calling me to do. I still had work to do there. And then I received that third email. And so I went for a walk that weekend and was listening to a sermon by another pastor friend of mine whose church was also in a season of change. 
And he said something to the extent of this that day. He said, are we brave enough to open ourselves up? To open ourselves up for God to work through us in new places and in new ways that we haven't imagined before? Or has our anything, Lord, become only this thing, Lord? And when I heard that, I literally stopped in the middle of the street and rewound that part of the sermon, listening to it and playing it again four or five times, until finally I had to ask myself, has my anything, Lord, become only this thing, Lord, only Calvary, only Texas, only here? And it was in that moment that I finally decided to click send on my application one day before the final deadline. (laughs) I share this with you today because I know that this is a season of change and, yes, loss in Highland's life as the family of God in this place. Now, I want to be clear that this is not a season of change in the DNA of who Highland is. It's not a change in our very core. It's not a change in the worship that we so value, the priorities of justice and love that we hold dear, the welcome and inclusion that we so strongly embrace. But it's still a change, nonetheless, in relationships, and the voices who are speaking into the life of our community of faith, and the ministers who are leading us and walking alongside us in this hard and holy work week after week. But I have to ask you this morning the same question that I had to ask myself in the fall of 2019. Has our anything, Lord, become only this thing, Lord? Only this way, only this person. I just can't imagine it any other way. Because if we're not careful, our fear of change can close us off from the God who says, See, I am about to do a beautiful new thing among you. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Friends, the God who has made a way for Highland for over 125 years now. The God of Lydia, who empowered her to be open to the movement of the Spirit that day. And the God of Kathy Collier, who nudged her 15 years ago to open herself up to this brave and beautiful new path forward for her life is the same God who continually nudges us, asks us to open ourselves up to what God wants to do next. And so may we be swift of foot and brave of soul, dear Highland, as we take this next step forward, trusting that as we make our way down this new pathway together, Friends, we do so being held in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Thanks be to God.
Amen.